This is Japan Baseball Weekly, the only English podcast covering all 12 NPB teams. And now, your hosts, John E. Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of November 15th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Saturday night at a decent hour is my partner, Jim Allen. How you doing, bud? I'm decent. <laughs> you say that a lot, but I, I still got my I still got my doubts. <laughs> well, yeah, but we got no video on here, so you just have to trust me. Hashtag <laughs> high heat. And it's statements like that that pack up my doubts. <laughs> but yes, yes. <laughs> well, if you don't, if you don't, you know, um, I'm not out on the balcony, and you're not hearing any screams, so I think you can trust you. I'm good with this one. <laughs> Just because you have the poor, the poor people bound and gagged doesn't mean that <laughs> everything's good. Just because I can't hear them screaming. Anyway, <laughs> we're recording a day early because I have family commitments tomorrow. So apologies, but I think it's the first time in our history that both rounds of the climax series finished in the minimum number of games, and we're not going to miss any games this weekend. And we have our Japan Series matchup all set. So the baseball gods really shone on us this week, and we thank them yep. very, very much. Yep, yep, yep. I don't know where we go to, you know, light incense at the altar, but show me and I'll go. What are you talking about incense? We need to sacrifice something. <laughs> what are you talking about? Burn some incense. <laughs> or maybe it's maybe it's pine tar you've got to leave at the on the altar of the baseball gods. I don't know. Spider tack. <laughs> <laughs> what was that what was that quote i don't know i i don't know i i don't know <laughs> all right on this week's show we've got a chat with adam jones of the oryx buffaloes we're going to talk about the climax series and whatever else we can get in perhaps some high heat so let's start swinging clearing the bases <laughs> All right, so uh, let's go back to a week ago, uh, almost a week ago. It was Sunday, November 7th, and I had set up an interview with Adam Jones, AJ, and it was supposed to be at noon, and of course, I was doing a shift that day at the office, and I told uh, one of the editors, I said, hey, look, I'm going to have to sneak out and do an interview, uh, but I'll have a story done for Wednesday's paper as kind of a preview for the Climax series that the, the final round of the or the second round of the climax series that started on Wednesday. So I'll have it done by then and blah, blah, blah. But as I got into the shift and I kept thinking about all the things I had to do, I completely spaced the interview. And I, you know, as you know, Jim, I prepare questions ahead of time and I had two in my head, but I had not, not written them down yet. And at about five minutes to noon, I looked and I remembered, oh my goodness, I'm talking to AJ today. And so I started scribbling some questions down. And then my phone, uh, I got a, a, a text message from the PR guy. And he said, AJ's running a little bit late. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'd like to be able to delay the, the interview. And I said, no problem. I'm at the office. I'll just be waiting to hear from him. So uh, AJ is in his second year. His numbers, as he states in the interview, turn heads the wrong way or the opposite way in some respects. But he, he got a chance to tell his story a little bit here in this chat. And I wrote a story that appeared in the paper on, on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go back and check that out in the Japan news, that's fine. But it's it's more about that. And it's more about 
uh, what goes on, I guess, or what happens when you don't have the success you want to have, but you still have an impact on the team. So let's take a listen. All right. Joining us on the show this week is Adam Jones of the Oryx Buffaloes. Be careful out there driving, man. Thanks for joining us. Always, baby. Up safety first. Buckle my seatbelt, ten and two. Just like they teach you in driving camp, driving school back in back in America. Back in the day, back in the day. All right. So uh, you joined the Oryx Buffaloes, and you wanted to help contribute to a winning situation with that team. How do you describe what has happened the two years since you've been here? Well, I just think honestly, I think that the guys have just matured. Uh, individually, and then matured collectively, you know, understanding their strengths and, you know, just began to play as a unit. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an individual. These guys, I think they just got better. And it's fun to see, you know, I think my contribution, if you look at the numbers, have not been the greatest in in terms of in-game and all that. But my contribution has been positive, has been um, reaffirmation for how to handle struggles, um, understanding situations, and just trying to be, you know, that big brother and with, with a bunch of knowledge that tries to pass down a little bit of what I learned in America. And, you know, just I got some years under my belt, so I just, I'm trying to give, uh, basically give them everything they want. I, I told them I'm an open book, and I just want to help. All right. Well, yeah, I've seen their growth and we've talked about it on our show, but uh, I know numbers aren't the biggest thing always that describe or basically tell you what a player does. But how would you describe your play these past two seasons? Well, I mean, it's been it's been up and down, I would say Uh, not the greatest. So, you know, I got an option. I doubt if they're going to pick that up um, based on the the price and production that doesn't go together. But uh, I think that what they really like is just my attitude. My attitude since day one has been positive, has been great. Um, I've never complained, even if my role has changed and things that I'm not used to doing. Uh, I never complain once. I just try and show up to the park every day with a positive attitude. And, you know, when the manager calls me to pinch hit or to do anything, I told him I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be ready. And I think that, you know, my numbers as a pinch hitter have been off the charts. My number as a starter has been off the charts in a bad way but <laughs> uh but just, you know i think my role here you know especially the second half of the season has been that key pinch hitter that has came in and you know tried to scare some pitchers and i've drawn a lot of walks i've gotten a lot of base hits some key base hits late in the game in key situations so um i just try to take advantage of the role and not uh not complain it's it, it, in my my situation it's easy to complain and say i want to do more i want to do more but I, I know being the professional I've always been, it's like, look, roles change for people, mm-hmm. and let me just be a positive influence around these guys and not be a burden because who wants – there's no, there's just no need for me to, to be that way. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, what have you learned about Japanese baseball in these past two years? It's completely different than American baseball, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, they play, the, they play the small ball. They don't play for they, – they play for that one run. Um it's it's just a different style. They they use the pitch. I've, I've never seen better fielding pitchers in my life. As a collective group, obviously I played with some guys and played against some guys that are terrific individually. But overall, all the pitchers here are unbelievable fielders. Um, I think that just the philosophy is different. You know, no one's sitting around waiting for the three run home run here. They're they're contact uh, team people. Everybody wants to put the ball in play. 
You know, they don't care but necessarily about the home runs. They care about uh, trying to manufacture more runs, basically like the 70s and 80s up style of baseball, even the national, I mean, even the, you know, the National League style before the home run ball became uh, so important. And, you know, again, it's a, it's a learning process. You, they always say you never, you, you never stop learning. And, you know, I'm learning this, I'm learning their style of play. So I can, I think I can bring some of my knowledge of American baseball here. And I think whenever I go back to America, you know, helping out friends or if I'm coaching, I can bring and implement some of the styles that they have here because they're fundamentally sound here, which I really, I really, really appreciate because I grew up on fundamentals. As when I was shortstop, our guys harped on fundamental fundamentals, and you know, superstars make the nice plays, but fundamentals keep you keep you there. And you know, here everybody's fundamentally sound. Okay, yeah, I know that. I know that. Uh, now your team put up a fight last year, didn't do so well in the standings. This year, after finishing in last place for two consecutive years, you guys won the pennant. So what was the biggest difference, other than the thing that you mentioned before about the players growing, what was the biggest difference-making aspect for this team? I, I just think just the guys, the, I, I think their nerves kind of went away also. You know, they, they knew that, you know, our old manager was, was a hard, basically a hard ass, but, but he was old school, which I, as a player, I appreciate the old school. You put in the time, you put in the work, you yield the results. But sometimes, at some point in time, you, you're an athlete, you're going to be tired. And, you know, I've seen so many guys be overworked, and they don't complain about it or say anything because, you know, the culture of the, of the simp high and the go high. And I get that, and I respect that. And at some point in time, you don't need to be doing what you're doing in spring training. You don't need to be doing that in, uh, in you know, July, August. It's just, it's pointless. You know, you figure it out. You don't need to take a thousand ground balls a day. You, you figured out it. You know how to catch a ground ball. Right. You don't need a thousand swings. You, and you know that's what spring training is for: is to build you up, to exhaust you. During the season, it's about getting the adequate work to be prepared for the game, not exhausting yourself. And you know, I've just tried to help out with that with some guys that are like, look, this is your first time playing 120 games. That's exhausting. I don't care. You know, I don't care if you can do the work. That's not the part that I'm trying to implement. It's, you can do the work, but you have to understand that the body is tired. Right. And it's, it's okay to take half of whatever you're doing. It's okay. Trust me. Your body will appreciate it. So I just tried to help out like that. And just be like, look, I know you want to work, 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 because the coaches want to do it and stuff, but you don't need it. You're going to tire yourself out and not be the best when, the, when it really matters. That's the game. I don't care how great your BB is. If you're over four consecutively, doesn't matter how good your BP was. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so now it's the playoffs. It's go time. What are you telling these players about, you know, approach and preparation? Treat everything like the, like the seventh, eighth, and ninth. You know, it's it's the playoffs. Don't don't give anything away. Be smart. Understand the situation. And just focus a little bit more. That's really all you got. You just got to focus a little bit more because everything's just that much more important, that much more uh, valuable. Every out is worth a little bit more. You know, when you play a game in May, okay, you know, some, some things can just be given away sometimes. But when the playoffs start, you have to just lock in a little bit more. And, you know, I've been trying to, to preach that message the last couple of days throughout our practices. And we have one more practice on Tuesday before we start Wednesday. And that's going to be my message to the team. I'm going to address them. And look, let's just 
Just a little bit more. Okay, we got possible max 13 games. Let's give it all we got. Be, be there for your teammate. The ego, throw the ego out. Do what you have to do to win the game. It does not have to look pretty. It does not. Just get the job done. And, you know, I think guys have bought into my, my, my knowledge and my information because I'll give it to, I give it in a positive way. And I just try and do it again. Just be the positive big brother that uh, helps them along the way. All right. Yeah, I always say in the NFL and in the playoffs, there are no ugly wins. <laughs> They're all beautiful. <laughs> exactly. People try to claim that be grand great Super Bowls or great playoff games. He got seven. I don't give a damn how good he look. They won. It's not, you know what I mean? You won. You win, you win. It's not, it's not about, it's not style points. I've never seen somebody uh, lose and be like, oh, I had 48 points. I went four and four. Nobody give a red ass about that. <laughs> That's right. <Not> the winner. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. So, uh, Yamamoto, he's a great pitcher. I know he's on the radar of a lot of MLB teams. Uh, how, do, how do you think he fares as a prospect? I, I mean, I think he's the best player in Japan overall. I think he's the number one player. I mean, I'll say in Suzuki, you can go with Yanagita, you can go with Singa. Uh, I, I think I think Yamamoto is, is is the best player here in Japan right now, and uh, I know they obviously starters still once a week here, but eighteen and five with a one three nine, I don't give a damn if you're playing uh, softball. That's impressive. Yeah. And what he's what he's doing is just impressive. And I just love his attitude and humbleness. You know, he's twenty three, and I know that the you know the the senpai go high. I told him, I said, bro, you're a senpai. So <laughs> yeah, he is you now. need to pitch like that. Yeah. And he pitches like he pitches like that and he goes out there and throws every ball with conviction. He's not trying to throw six innings, he's trying to throw nine every single time. And you can tell because he attacks his up like to shy away from contact. I don't just just and me playing thirteen years in America, I'm trying to uh get American style from uh, just differs from Japan. And I told him before the Olympics, I said, go talk to Tanaka. It's impossible because you're going to be... Ask him every single question. And, you know, he came back and told me that he learned so much from Tanaka because Tanaka had to learn. Most Japanese pitchers, players in general, have to learn to scale it back a little bit in America because the guys ain't throwing long toss. I remember when Daisuke came over to America... The Red Sox were like, what the hell kind of program is this? <laughs> and it, it ended up hurting his arm. And, you know, you see a lot of the Japanese players, pitchers, have arm injuries when they go to America because they're a little bit bigger ball. You, you can't throw the fork ball as much. The hand grind is big. Like, there's just certain things. I'm like, you're going to learn certain intricacies of American. Why not learn it now? Because you're going. They, they, I told him, I said, let me be agent. Like, you, you're, go, you're going to America. <laughs> and he's just, I think it's, it just... He's been a sponge to all the information and just a beautiful soul. Because the kid is, he's, he's got a, he, he's, he's one of them dudes that you root for because he, he, he's good looking, works his, works his tail off. I mean, the stuff just speaks for itself. True, true. All right. Thanks for that. Now, uh, last question. What's up for you after this season? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I have a team option for next year. You know, uh, uh, Ray Charles can see that they're probably not going to pick that up. <laughs> but uh, I'm like, you know, hey, I, I told the team that I'm very interested in, in coming back. They 
and have said it publicly that they're interested in having me back. Uh, you know, my wife started a travel company, so she wants to travel the world. I'm tired of you complaining that your body hurts all the time. So it's kind of a double-edged sword right now. Like, who doesn't love to get paid a lot of money to play a game? But at the same time, who doesn't want to enjoy the fruits of their labor? So um, if they want to bring me back, awesome. If they have an appetite for it, I, I'm all for it. Um, if they don't, you know, I'll see what, what happens in America. And if, it's, if, and if, this, is, if, if, if this is the end, it's been an amazing end to a career in sports because I gave it my all. I can, I'm, I'll never be a guy who said, you know, I did hard. I, I gave him all every single day. And, and uh, I'm just thankful for every opportunity, every eight that I've ever had in sports because I know people that have came in before me, left before me, came after me, left before me. And I know guys that came in before me and are still going like Yadier, Wainwright, you know, and guys like that Greenkey. So it's, it's, you know, you just appreciate every single moment in the game. And, you know, there's things I would miss. There's things I won't miss. But, uh, you know, if they are, have an appetite to bring me back and it's, it works out on both sides, hey, my wife's going to have to deal with one more year of Japanese baseball. <laughs> and if, uh, if it doesn't work out, you'll see me on a beach somewhere with uh, eating ceviche, chips and guac, and a lot of margaritas. Whew. All right. Sounds like fun, man. We, we wish you the best and good luck in the playoffs. <laughs> and uh, hopefully it ends, you know, Hollywood ending. I appreciate it. Thank you. Go Buffalo. All right. All right. So other than the beautiful soul known as Yoshinobu Yamamoto, what stayed with you after this chat? Whole bunch. Whole bunch. Uh, I did did like that comment, and I did like his appraisal of of the, I guess, the four bright stars, or or I should say the four, but, but four bright stars who are known uh, outside of outside of Japan, uh, Yamamoto and Seiya Suzuki, Yuki Nagita, and Kodai Senga, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was interesting. I liked his. Uh, I like. I loved his joke about where his uh, the chances that the the Buffaloes would pick up his option for twenty twenty three is even even Ray Charles can see it. Well, of course Ray Charles can't see because he's dead. But but you know I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love that comment. Now. Yeah. I did. And the other one is, if this is the end, you know, this is really, really Adam Jones. I mean, I, I heard a lot of things I've heard from him before. And he's that guy, you know, that he he pretends to be. Or I should say he's consistent. You know, he's always this guy who's a, a, a bit worldly in the best way. Okay. Well-educated, interested in things that go on besides you know, his day job. <laughs> okay. And, you know, day in job terms is of, a night job sometimes, but well, all right. you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Most of the time, but hey, I call him, yeah, it is, it is in my case tr- too, but okay. yeah, no, but, but that and, and the bit about if this is the end, it's an amazing end. And you know how important it is to appreciate every single moment, every time you're doing it, you never know when the end's coming. So yeah, all for that. And the other one that that stuck with me is his reference to Norifumi Nishimura, because I think I mentioned it was in last week's podcast. I'm I used the expression "hard ass." Okay. <laughs> so oh wow, that is an echo in here. Yeah, <laughs> it's an internet echo. <laughs> yep. 
but yeah, so yeah. How about you? Yeah, I, I, you know, most imports who have numbers like he does over a couple seasons don't always get a spot on the postseason roster, mm-hmm. and he's on it, and I think that says something. And uh, you know, I did the story about his AJ's influence on the team, and and I actually have a story about that, and I'll try to make it quick. When I was maybe 35, 36, I joined this newly formed basketball team in Nagoya. And when you when you form a new team, you have to start at the bottom of the division. It doesn't matter what the history of the players are on there. So uh, we were advancing from division to division. And then a couple of years later, I was talking to one of our Japanese players who was a reserve on the team, a dude about maybe 5'9", not much more than that, really skinny kid. But you know, he could dribble, he could shoot, but he really couldn't do much else. He wasn't going to get you any rebounds. He wasn't a defender. He wasn't going to get you many steals. wasn't really going to set up uh, guys to get assists, but but he could shoot. And I always encouraged him to work on his game because I knew he wasn't going to grow another foot. So, <laughs> But I remember in the preseason one day I said, look, you know, you're a really good shooter, but I want you to work on making all your three-point shots, all the ones that you're open and nobody's guarding you because you can help us with those. So fast forward to the elevation game, which is the opposite of the relegation game, and you have to win to go up to the next division. And we were playing this team that ended up kind of being a rival team for us. And we went into overtime in this game and he was on the court somehow. I looked up and, you know, three guys had fouled out. And like I said, he was a reserve, but he was on the court and the game is heading into the waning seconds. Actually, I think it was, you know, less than a minute to play. And he found himself open at three point line and he drilled this three. That was basically the difference in the game Now we were up a little bit, but it ended up being the difference in the game. So I went up to him afterward and he said, yeah, you know, you told me to make sure to to work on my three-point shots and, and make all my open ones, and um, I appreciate that. And I said, yeah, man, you 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 know, you, you're the hero. And I, I just tell this story to emphasize it. It's not always, as a veteran player, what you do on the court or what you do on the field or what you do in the arena. It can be a couple words that you throw to a reserve player. It could be the way you help a guy who's like a Yuma Mune, who's not a not a great batter, but you tell him something and look for these things in this situation. I don't know that that happened, but it could be something like that where you can contribute to the team. And I think those contributions that can't be found in statistics and can't be measured and quantified like, like the numbers nerds like to do, I think those are important. And, and when you look and see that AJ is on the roster – I think it has some meaning. I think we can't obviously quantify it. We don't know why. If you look at the numbers, I mean, like he said in the interview, maybe scare some pictures, some pitchers, you know, maybe intimidate mm-hmm. uh, yep. some pitchers in the batter's box and, and, and draw a walk here and there. But he really hasn't, he has, he doesn't have numbers that would intimidate. They just, they just have to make sure they don't hit certain spots with, you know, make mistakes in certain areas. And so, I think, obviously, Adam has been important to that team, uh, just like manager Satoshi Nakajima, just like some of the other veteran players like Takahiro Okada, who have been able to find a way to make an impact on the team, whether it has been regularly 
all season long or just on occasion like Yuya Oda coming up and Yuya Oda is one of the guys we'll talk about later in the games but he's one of those guys who was with the bad version of the Buffaloes or the last place version of the Buffaloes who couldn't seem to do you know make the winning plays late in games but he comes up and he gets a big hit for him so those are the kinds of contribu- contributions that I, I I just love and I, I like hearing veteran players talk about that and and Ray Charles of Bless His Soul aside, uh, I think there's still a purpose for for players like that. And I don't think the Buffalo's a brave back either, but uh, hopefully he can go out on top because uh, I don't know that his his entire stay here in Japan has been great, but I think it has been useful. And he came over and joined the team with the idea that he wants to help um, push this team up in the standings and become a contender and a, and a big player. And I think, in, in you know, maybe not the way he envisioned and maybe not the way he had hoped, but I think he has contributed in that, in that sense. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And, and I, I, of course, I always go back to the, the, the other AJ and, and, and I don't, what I, what I lack with uh, Andrew Jones, yeah, the comparison Andrew Jones, okay. with Andrew Jones was I could talk with, you know, because we were at the park and we could talk to people then. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I could talk to I could talk to his manager and ask him questions. You know, I heard from AJ and I heard from uh, Senichi Hoshino about that relationship, and they shared things. I have no clue about how the Buffaloes <laughs> view Adam Jones. And we won't get any. <laughs> no, not, not this year we won't. Until the season's over. You know, when the year. season's over, and if they keep him or let him go, then we'll have a clearer view of what's going on, but we won't get any stories. <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, so that's the only thing I, I, I would, would comment about that. I don't want to say that uh, because we lack the stories now that they didn't happen. Mm-hmm. In the case of Andrew Jones, it was a case of, Here's a bad team, and we've got young players, and he wanted uh, Senichi Hoshino was keen to milk every bit of experience and wisdom he could out of Andrew Jones. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if all the other Eagles are still waiting for their pitches or not, but <laughs> it was a... You know, it it was that was the explanation. So I am curious. Of course, I I loved to talk with Satoshi Nakajima when he was the a player coach with the Nippon Ham Fighters. I always found him a somewhat laconic, uh, interesting, but somewhat laconic. He usually didn't try not to waste too many words, or mm-hmm. maybe that's just people talking to me. No, no. He they, in fact they talked about it on his uh, post game interview that he's a man of few words, but he. He sucked it up and and spat it out, I suppose, in terms of giving the, <laughs> giving stop it, so, you stop it, just stop. But in terms okay. of giving the fans some something to remember from that night, because they were all there, they were all happy. It was funny. It was funny because he's going like, "Am I done yet?" <laughs> <laughs> don't ask any more questions. You know. Yeah, he was. I'm like, no, throw it back to you, and that's it. Don't throw it back to yeah, me. <laughs> he was. He was in a. He was in a. Uh, he was in a competition with Yasutaka Shiomi every time they talked about the Swallows pitching. He said, well, I can't explain that stuff. I don't have words for that stuff. Just go away. Just too incredible. <laughs> too incredible. Incredible, <laughs> man. Okay. 
So yeah, I did want to mention that AJ was driving at the time that he was on his phone, and uh, I don't. He said he was. I, I, I just assume he was driving back from the ballpark after practice because uh, that was one of the reasons that they wanted me to wait. They said, "Well, he's going to do it after practice," and uh, I'm not sure if he had somewhere to go. And I think he said the boys were in his. He has two sons, and that they were in the car. I, I don't know. It was a crazy day. I, I basically this was. A week ago when we did the podcast, so when Jason was on, that was a real hectic day for me. But anyway, hmm. um, it was real fun talking to to Adam, and here he's just real. I, I like what you said about that, but he is just he's real and and genuine, and you get what you get, and <laughs> get out when you, when you can, you know. <laughs> yep. Um, he, he's just he's funny. He's uh, he's witty. He's sharp. So yeah, yeah, fun hmm. talk with him. For sure. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, Climax series or what did you say? You call it the four play series. I, sure. I, I, I guess that's funny. <laughs> well, because there are Climax and nothing. Well, it's, it's actually not the Climax. So you're right. No, it isn't. It's I mean, we have a we have the championship. We have two championships and they decided to call the Climax the thing in between. Yeah, yeah, that's not how it works in real life. But anyway, <laughs> so our Japan Series matchup is set, and it's just as the numbers say, I think it should be, is that the two pennant winners move through. They both threw shutouts in the first two games of their series. They both allowed the first run in the clincher. Both their starters went shorter than both teams probably expected, one because of an injury, uh, the other because of... I don't know ineffectiveness a little. Now he, he was yeah, pitching like he was pitching like he was hurt a little bit. Right. Yeah. It was just ineffectiveness. So, so yeah. Uh, and both finished with ties to go through to the Japan series, and they win the series three zero and one. And uh, on the field, they were two zero and one. And uh, that one win victory advantage that they started with uh, helped with the sweep. And I guess you can call it a sweep. And, they, you know, a, a lot of times I hear in the States they call a gentleman sweep as a five-game series. But in this case, when you have two wins and a tie, when you only need when you need three wins or you don't really even need three wins to move through, this is really wacky. I don't even know. Is it a gentleman series or is it just a respectful series? <laughs> the distinguished series? I don't know what to call it, but uh, it was a sweep uh, on both sides. So. There's, there's so much that's so similar about these teams. Mm. We have two long-suffering fan bases that would be quick in any of these games, whether it's the first game or the third game, to say, oh, that's it. They're going to lose the rest. They're going to lose the rest of the games and they're going to lose the Japan series. I mean, both teams are going to be willing to, uh, I don't know, abandon ship, so to speak, and, and, and get out. But then they're going to also keep checking, keep saying, um, you know, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can do it. This is the classic I think I can series because mm. I think both teams go in thinking they, they can win it, but I don't think there's a favorite. I would say before we even get started that um, there's a couple of advantages on on both sides, but uh, I just, I, I'm going to have a tough time picking a winner. So I want to put that off as long as I can. Okay. I would add, I'm in, to keep with the parallel bit, First of mm-hmm. all, there were no, there have been uh, prior to Friday, there had been one series, one climax stage that ended in a tie, 
that was clinched by a tie. Okay, and that was okay. the tie. No, no, that no, was no, the tie. No. That's correct. It was the Tigers and the Carp uh, in 2014, okay. I believe. Yeah, I have okay. vague memories of it. Vague, okay, the Tigers vague. won. The Tigers tied, and they didn't have to play the the bottom. That was the the test of the new rule of the 2011 rule. After 2011 rule, they no longer required the clinching team to play the bottom half of the inning. Right. Right. But but it was the first one to end in a tie to be clinched by a tie because in 2011 they required the SoftBank Hawks to play the bottom of the I believe it was the 11th or 12th inning. No, it was the bottom of the 12th inning and they scored a run when they didn't have to be play they shouldn't have had to play at all. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh so we've had one we had previously had one game decide, uh, clinched on a tie and we had Two clinch on the same day, and we had the most bizarre ending, which almost you could. I had the sound on on the TV, and almost the announcers couldn't believe it when they said it. We have a walk off sayonara tie. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) although walk off and sayonara are the same thing, but yes, yeah, um, Yeah, they said we have a sayonara. Tie. tie yeah that is it was weird it was weird but such is the advantage for the for the pennant winner so you you only need to tie and that uh, sure. that does it after you win a couple games so let's start with game one with the buffaloes and the marines and no surprise yoshinobu yamamoto the ace for the or it's buffaloes pitched well but i think masataka yoshida coming back from a broken hand in a little more than a month or about a month was kind of uh, miraculous. <laughs> yeah. And he hit some, he hit some line drives. I mean, he came in smoking, so he looked pretty yeah. good, but yeah, he easily could have had two hits if it weren't for the Marine defense. But I think a lot of his teammates could have said that that game, it was a, yes. it was an amazing defensive effort by the Marines. <laughs> they played great defense the whole time. And they did, they, they, you know, had they scored some runs before that, they would have, made it more of a series but yeah they did they played some superb defense i remember tweeting about that so um you know, yamamoto throws a four hitter in his playoff debut and it and it really didn't seem like lote had much of a chance to score i think in mm. um, the fourth inning of that game that kenya yawakatsuki the catcher threw to second base trying to get a runner and allowed the runner to go to third with two outs, but it was a quick strikeout later, and that was all snuffed out. So that really wasn't a, a runner. I didn't really see that as Yamamoto allowing a runner to get to third, and more like the defense allowing the runner to get to third. But, um, but yeah, what was your big impression from that game? Because for me, it was just that Yamamoto was so in control and unfazed by the whole playoff atmosphere situation. Yeah, and uh, Ayumi Ishikawa, great game. I mean, he he was uh, a typical game for him, very solid in control, uh, made Except big for the, pitches. Yeah, the, the first inning when he gave up yeah. the run because it looked like right. he was going to get knocked out early, and then then all of a sudden they couldn't they couldn't touch him anymore. But he came back and he essentially then you know made big pitches the rest of the game. He you know he faced another jam that he pitched out of. And uh, he was really solid. It's just that the Marines couldn't, uh, you know, they they got four singles, four singles <laughs> and no walks against Yamamoto. So that was that. Yep, yep. All right, moving to game two. That was a 2 nothing shutout for the Buffaloes. And I thought the most surprising thing here was Daiki Tajima because 
this is the guy we expected when he was coming in, when he was drafted, they talked about him being like a shutdown pitcher. And I thought, really? And, and, and he came in and he proved it in this game by I, I, his best game I've ever seen him throw as a pro. And I just mean he might have thrown better games statistically, but I don't think obviously they haven't had any kind of pressure like this. And he was just sharp at attack. I mean, he was another guy. This didn't look like they were going to get any hits off of him. <laughs> uh, and then it was Masataka Yoshida who got this big hit, which was a comebacker that hit Manabu Mima in the right leg and it knocked him out of the game. And I thought that was the biggest hit of the game. And I also thought, uh, again, Tadahito Iguchi, the manager of the Marines, kind of just went with a so-so reliever. He he had to take Mima out of the game when he got knocked out, uh, in the, and that was in the sixth inning. And instead of going to guys like Frank Herman or Yuki Karakawa or even Chihaya Sasaki, because it's kind of late-ish in the game if you want to mm. want those guys to go uh, an extra out, um, he goes for Yusuke Azuma, and that was the pitch. The first pitch to Yutaro Sugimoto, yep. and he took it. He took it. I mean, he took it for a ride, boy. There were uh, there were flight attendants serving drinks on that on that ball when it went out to left and left a dent in the wall there in Kyosuda Dome. So I didn't think that was the best decision. And again, he was managing like he had it tomorrow. And I think there's no just no sense of desperation in his in the way he managed his pitchers. But maybe he was getting advice from Yoshi. I don't know. Uh, but his pitching coach Masato Yoshi, but I, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe one day we'll hear about that. What was your impression from the game? Pretty much the same. You know, uh, these games were so tight. The Marines, I, I mean, as far as their pitching and defense went, there's there's really no faulting what they did in game one or game two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, 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 it turned in game two, it turned really on that one pitch. Well, the pitch to Yoshida <laughs> and then the pitch to Sugimoto, the first pitch, which was so terrible. Back to back, yeah, back to back. Yeah, pitches. I mean, really. <laughs> and to be honest, the whole series was about, in in my opinion, was about two pitches, two first pitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the first one of those was Sugimoto. I mean, when I looked, I was not, I was looking at the Swallows game at the time. I mean, okay. I did notice, oh, Mima's gone. Well, Maybe and then I saw oh it's a it's a single to the pitcher okay so that's that but he also had you know he Utaro Sugimoto had two of the three Buffalo's hits I didn't see him but I thought well maybe this is the time for that this is the time to make that change but of course he didn't really have a choice forced his hand brought in for whatever reason uh, Yusuke uh, Azuma yeah. and uh, one for whatever did, reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have loved to have been in the uh, presser <laughs> to yep. ask, you know, why, 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 you know, why your fifth or sixth reliever when you're already down two games to nothing. And if you lose this game, you're down, essentially, you're down three nothing. And even though it's far, just game two. As far as uh, Daiki Tajima, I think he had a very underrated uh, season. I thought he was, he was probably, you know, in the, in the end. In the end, in you know, looking at all things considered, he was probably more effective than Miyagi was. But you know, he was he was this guy flying under the radar. Nobody was talking about him. 
uh, you know, he, they've got all these little, these, all these lefties with some really dynamite pitches and he was the most consistent uh, of them. So I really, I really liked it. I was kind of surprised that we, we didn't see Hiroya Miyagi, but uh, there were a couple of other weird things going on in the series, which we will get to when we get to number three, game number three. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I heard the announcers talking about Miyagi, but uh, Tajima, I, I was, I was confident that he would throw a, a competent game. But I was surprised more by the Mima outing because mm-hmm. we talked and, and in fact, I remembered that show in particular when we said, look, when you, when Mima goes to the mound, you get a very competent pitcher out there. Mm-hmm. A very professional guy who knows how to get outs. And he went above and beyond that. He was just lights out this game. And, you know, the same little combination of little sliders and, and whatnot. But he was spotting and he and he was able to get guys to swing and think too much in the box, it seemed. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they got themselves out by swinging at pitches. They're like, well, this is a fastball and it's close enough. I'm going for this one. And, and you know. Well, that's, that's his thing. You know, he, he'll, uh, he doesn't try to, and I think, I think you absolutely hit it on the head. He doesn't try to think too much and on his part, it's a real simple thing. And we get to the swallows, uh, the swallow series. We talk about that a little bit more, but it's, it's really the Pacific league style of pitching, which is get a first pitch strike. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, you can try to hit the corner a little bit, but don't like hope for luck that it hits the corner. Right. You know, risk that it's going to go. I mean, the point, it, the philosophy is you, you, you try to get it in the zone, unless you're specifically trying to avoid somebody. You try generally, you try to get it in the zone somewhere, make a make a pretty good pitch because the difference between making a pretty good pitch on strike one that's in the zone when nobody has an expectation of anything that's going to come and making a pretty good pitch in the zone when the batter's ahead three, one is a huge difference. Yeah. And so you can get away with a lot more on, on the first pitch. And Mima's one of these guys who gets away with who, who that's his game plan. And we saw, uh, we saw that through all the Marines pitchers. And I just want to say uh, how much, again, how much I enjoyed watching them uh, play. And uh, so, so that's the thing with Mima. He did great. Tajima is is very much the same kind of pitcher. Uh, both of these guys, they have uh, Tajima. I think's got better stuff. Mima's the guy who, as you said, he really knows what he's doing. And if he's got, you know, if his control is about close to normal, mm-hmm. and his stuff isn't dead, then he'll he'll give you a really good outing because he knows what he's doing. Right, right. So, uh, so yeah, he uh, let me get his number here. So he goes six innings, and the bullpen takes over and yep. uh, threw three shutout innings and and wrapped it up very neatly. And uh, Yoshihisa Hirano mm-hmm. really sharp in the ninth uh, for him, and uh, this is a really nice win for them. And all of a sudden, after two nights, they're up three games to none in, you know, in command of the series. So uh, we'll go to game three. Okay. First of all, with game three, the first thing I noticed going into game three was that... Let me let me, let me give the score. Hang on. Hang on. I said you're ready. Well, I'm, okay. I'm talking about before the game. Oh, okay. Go ahead. 
is that the Buffaloes activated Hirotoshi Masui before the mm-hmm. game, which I thought was weird because they're not <laughs> going to start him. So I'm going, what the heck's he doing there? <laughs> you know? My buddy Zenshin Masui, what are you doing, man? You go put Everybody somebody was... to sleep. <laughs> exactly. So my, I saw that and I'm going, huh? Okay, so we move into the game. And the and score of the final score was three three, and the Buffaloes advance on a walk off game tying double <laughs> by the it, aforementioned. It was a Yuri. single. I did. I checked. They had it as a single for I think about an hour after the game, and then after that they changed it. It looked like I'm, I'm going to check. It is a double. You're correct. You're yes, correct. I know because they changed double. it because I was looking and I kept looking. I'm like. How come they're not giving him a double? It went past the fielder, and it was clearly past him. So now the only reason, but, they but would, for an hour after the game, it was a single. I, I, know, I, the, the reason I, why they would have changed it is because the runner coming around the base stopped and looked. Might have stopped and looked. Yes, yes. and waited for the batter to touch second base. That happened in. Uh, that happened in another uh, important Buffaloes win when they had a walk-off win when it was a double. It was basically a single that got turned into a double because the the batter the batter the batter runner the batter knew he was the the bet the runner the, who was going to score the run knew he was going to score and he was sort of walked home and the batter cro- touched second base. So okay, yeah, I thought at first what you were going to say was that the the runner uh, who left from second was was stopping at third. And then the ball went past the fielder, and so in that case, I no, probably would I, also mark. No. Uh, I would score that a single, but I don't think they even worried about it. I think he never looked. No. It. But I the ball was on the ground. Say, there yeah. was nothing. Yeah, there were no outs. Yeah. The ball was on the ground. It didn't make any sense. Okay. Yeah, but I, I did. I was watching. You know, I had my Yahoo app open on my phone, and I kept going back because I always, you know, I do that that YouTube English channel stuff, and I go back and I keep checking and I make sure I got all the facts right, and then. I had written it down as a single and I didn't start putting that little uh, information, well, that little paragraph together until maybe 30 minutes after the game. And, uh, and I always let it sit for 10 or 10 or 15 minutes after I finish, and then come back and check all the facts. And sure enough that when I went to check and make sure it was a single, it, it turned into a double <laughs> magically. So the magic of the internet. So yes. Yeah. Um, probably the guys who filed their stories at that time wrote a single and it goes out as a single, but it changed to a double. So anyway, um, uh, Yuma Mune uh, gets this home run in this game and it was the, you know, it was a sixth inning two run home run that gave him a two one lead. And um, not that I'm comparing the two, but because that's ludicrous, but he had this little Ichiro kind of skip, after he made contact, you know, when Ichiro used to hit home runs, he'd kind of pick up that left leg and, and kind of skip toward first base because mm-hmm. he knew he had gotten the pitch really well. And uh, Mune did that as he headed toward first. And it was a similar move. I wouldn't say he did the same move. But, uh, you know, there was no doubt about that hit, uh, that it was going to go out of the park. And the home runs, I think those were the only home runs they hit in the series, right? The one by That's correct. Uh, Sugimoto and the one. They were very the, much the oh, same. One one hit same the face, facing of the third deck and the left field, and the other one hit the, the facing. And they were both the same equally bad although to be honest the one uh, the one that Daiki Iwashita and Iwashita had another great game and he was 
absolutely dominant. Again, first strike, first strike, first strike. Uh, Close pitch, first strike, first strike, first strike. No trouble through five. And then... Then he broke a nail or something happened on his finger, on his pitching. I'm not sure if you were watching, I, but he had to go I, into the locker room. And, oh, I missed and that part. Something. But then yeah. but then I saw that, that bloop, you know, the flare from, you know, the good, you know, typical Shuhei Fukuda, a little flare to right. And then the next pitch is this. Yeah, so that that was when he went in after he gave up the hit to Fukuda. And then he went oh, in I and then he came thing. back. And then, and then the first pitch to Mune was this moonshot. Well, so. I think I think that would make perfect sense because he he must have gripped the you know he it was a fork got, yeah. he got too much uh, grip on the splitter and yeah. it, it put too much spin on it which meant it just was like a batting practice fastball up in the zone and man Mune just tattooed that puppy yeah he did so yeah yeah pretty amazing stuff and then uh, then they so get it's two to one. The- so it's two one. The Shogo Nakamura hits a home run for Chiba and gets them even. Oh, and you got to talk about Leonis Martin. And Leonis Martin, with his bad foot and all, gets a single, steals a base, and comes home. Well, yeah. Well, he steals a base on a ball in play. So yeah. <laughs> well, either way, he's he's got a bad wheel out there, and he's rolling around on the bases. So yeah, he takes he takes second. He's on first, and he takes second on on a fly out to medium deep left field and it wasn't like Rangelo Ravello is dogging it or throwing the ball back he was he was probably giving it his b move back you know throw back to the infield and <laughs> Leonis Leonis Martin, his a plus effort yeah. well, exactly he saw it you know he took you know he was ready to go and he saw the you know, the normal throw and he gambled and he took yeah. it and then he scored on a single. So yeah, that was, that was exciting stuff. Yeah. And that, that's why I say he stole that base because he literally, yeah, he did. He really, yeah, he really didn't have no business being on second base. No. Yeah. And so, uh, and so they take the lead and then we go to the ninth inning where Oda and company finish it off. Now I thought, you know, the, the, the thing that they talked about on pro Yaki news was the fact that they had the, uh, the butcher boy play where he fakes the bunt and swings away. But I thought uh, it was a good call by Nakajima, but the the kind of defense the, the infield was in where they kind of shifted around and then the, the outfield was drawn in a little bit. And, uh, and I say shifted around, they really weren't bothering to hold the runners on and they seemed like they were off the line a little bit. And, they threw a pitch down and into a left-handed batter. Of course, he's going to pull it. So, I, I just didn't understand that. It was just—it was a good call, obviously, by Nakajima because it worked. But I just have to wonder what was going on on the Chiba side because uh, obviously they—they they were thinking bunt all the way. They weren't thinking anything else, and they got—they got burned. You know, they didn't think there was any other possibilities. And okay, my my thing was first of all the top of the ninth inning, the games. You know they're losing by a run, and they bring in not Yoshihisa Hirano, but the guy who I said they shouldn't even tell him where the bullpen is. Oh, Masui, my my man. Yeah, Hiratoshi Masui. So I'm going. You know, I was writing this. I'm going to go, and of course Hirano pitched. Hold on a second. No, he didn't. Okay. And then they come in, and and Naoya Masuda. I feel really bad for him because he was really, you know, it wasn't like they were beating him up. 
it's like he he was getting ahead in counts and he was throwing good pitches and they were just you know a couple of good swings and balls found you know got into the outfield and that was that i mean takahiro takahiro okada's ball was off the end of the bat and doichi adachi had a good swing and then he goes to oda and it was a brilliant play because they were as you said they had a rotation play on where basically the shortstop's going to cover third mm-hmm. and the second baseman was way i don't know where his brain was because he was, uh, Sh- I don't know where Shogo Nako, I'm sure that was the plan, but I'm sure he was going to dash for first base in time to get the ball there. But okay. he didn't look like he was going to be close enough to first base to, to to beat anybody. He was there. So anyway, so he was he was a bit off the bag, but the first baseman, uh, the basically utility infielder, Yomiki, was, was playing about four, he was in about 40 feet from home plate. <laughs> he was breathing down uh, Yuya Oda's. Yeah, he probably was knew what kind of breath mints he was chewing on. Well, as Clint Eastwood said in one of those movies, hey, man, your mouthwash ain't cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he slapped yeah. that ball. That was, the, that was a beautifully executed play, so more power to him. And Pretty it was Hiromi Oka who's, uh, yeah, normally in center. And he was he was in very tight, and he... I don't know. He apparently he shouldn't have, it shouldn't have taken him as long as it did to get to the line, and then he sort of made a stab at the ball and missed it to seal the. Yeah, you know, they were kind of swung end. around. They were. They. I mean, they were in. They if they were in the defense to pitch him away, I don't know why they ended up giving him. Maybe it's just a mislocation, but the, yeah. Well, you normally like, play. Well, I mean, even uh, outfields don't shift that much because most of all, you know, most pull hitters when they hit the ball, they don't. You know, when they hit it hard or when they're not hitting it hard, when they're going to catch it, they hit it pretty much. They they tend to spray it to all fields. It's the it's the really hard hit balls that it doesn't matter too much whether you're standing a foot to the left or the right. Okay. So, all right. But I thought that was that was not too weird. I just thought he just misread it or he probably couldn't believe what he was I- seeing. No, I didn't think that that was the case okay. as so much as he was drawn in a little bit. He just, it was so he close was. to the line. He just didn't have time to get over there. I, I thought it was hit yeah. pretty good, well and that there were no mistakes right. after, after the ball was hit. It was just the positioning before. But it was great. And we had the, uh, the walk off, the walk off tie, which yeah. I had, I had never seen before. Yeah, it was, it was weird. It was definitely weird. All right. So let's go to the Central League, make a seamless transition and talk about the Swallows and the Giants. And the Giants went into this series without cleanup hitter Kazuma Okamoto, who hadn't been in the series against the, uh, against the Tigers either. So it was no surprise. And they got through that series fairly well, but they had trouble scoring in this series. And I think it was obvious that they missed him, especially after, I mean, it was obvious in game one. And that was when Yasu, Yasunobu Okugawa, whom we probably were guilty of not offering enough weekly coverage to, uh, because we were talking about Loki Sasaki as a rookie and other rookies. But in our defense, Okugawa didn't really break any big records. He didn't have any super gaudy performances. He had this streak of no walks over 53 plus, I think it was two thirds of an inning. Uh, and he did some really, I mean, he pitched really well. He just, he wasn't, it wasn't drool worthy. Like we were drooling over Sasaki, but, uh, but he pitched really well in this game and beyond, I think their wildest dreams. I, I don't think they'll admit that to us, anyone publicly, 
But I think the Swallows were thinking, look, if we can get him to pitch a quality start in any kind of facsimile, uh, three three runs over seven innings, two runs over six innings, uh, one run over six innings, we would be happy. And I think he obviously uh, went far beyond their expectations, throwing a shutout in his playoff debut. He had, you know, I listened to the announcers. They said he has never pitched in the eighth inning in his pro career. And I'm like, well, <laughs> who's in the bullpen? <laughs> That's what I first thought, you know, is that who's in the bullpen, who's warming up. And I thought there was a moment actually in the first inning that was very telling. He threw a 2-2 pitch to Akihiro Wakabayashi with one out. And it was a strike. And the umpire just missed it. And he pitched past that missed call. Mm. And he eventually tosses a six-hitter. And his first pro complete game, obviously, first shutout. And that's how he answered that bad call by the umpire. <laughs> Take that, well, buddy. I, yeah, I actually, my comment about that game was I was surprised he could throw a, you know, what they call a mushku, like both of the, the game one shutouts were, which is a complete game with no hits or hits, hit batsmen or walks. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Mr. Nako is a veteran umpire. Uh, his name escaped, his first name escapes me at the moment. It looks like he forgot his specs. Hashtag. Hi. I mean, his, he was his his ball strike decisions on the corners were really weird, and mm. it it cut both ways. I mean, it really got to Shun Yamaguchi, who started for the Giants, and we saw the kind of you know start that you know sort of like the difference between the Swallows and and their opponents this year. The Swallows drew a bunch of walks; their opponents didn't, mm-hmm. and that basically settled the game. Yeah. Yeah, so it ends up a 4 nothing shutout for the Swallows. And all of a sudden, again, with that one win advantage, they're up two games to none. And despite the umpire, and, you know, Yamaguchi, he, he just, to me, he didn't look comfortable. I mean, he was getting outs, but he just didn't well, seem like he was getting outs the way he wanted to. He was just no, he had to get outs. Yeah. Well, he was, the thing about him was his, he had trouble. It was almost like, he was pitching into a wind tunnel because his pitches were just really jumping. I mean, he mm-hmm. was, uh, they had his, when he could put his pitches where he wanted, which was rarely, nobody could touch him mm-hmm. because, you know, when he was, uh, if he could get ahead in counts, he was going to be really dangerous, but he just kept, you know, he couldn't keep that thing in the zone. I mean, it was just he had too much good movement on his pitches and he wasn't able to control it. And then he, the pitch he missed, the first inning pitch he missed to Domingo Santana was a, you know, it's just a lazy, I got to get a strike on this ball. And the football. He did, yes. <laughs> and he did. He did. And that, that puppy was dead red. Yeah. And then, and then, which led to my favorite quote. Although, to be fair to Domingo Santana, it was it was not Jingu's uh, short dimensions that made that a home run, but the fact that it was outside and the ball carried well. Because he said, uh, "I didn't feel it hit came off my bat that well, but thank God for Jingu Stadium." <laughs> yeah, yes, I remember that quote. Yeah, so they get through uh, that first game, and like I said, all of a sudden they're up two games to nothing. So game two, the Swallows went 5 nothing, And this was the shocker for me, not because so much that they got to Tomoyuki Sugano later in the game and, and put a bunch of runs on him. 
but because I, I, I think we talked about it, I've been mentioning it's just bizarre what has gone on at Yomiuri land this season. And to see Sagano in this big game where all this pressure is on, they rushed him back on uh, short rest to throw this game because they didn't want to fall behind in the series, three games to nothing. And he's pitching okay. He's getting through. They're not winning, but the game is still close. He had given up a run in the second inning. Here we are in the sixth inning. He faces Shingo Kawabata in a pinch hitting situation. And the last pitch of that at bat is this pitch that we talked about, I think, when we had Drew Verhagen on the show and you talked about the 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 ball, uh, the two-seam rotation on the ball mm-hmm. that makes it run. And this ball runs so far out of the strike zone and is not even close to forcing a run that Sugano kind of chuckles and he's like, well, you know, I suppose he's laughing to keep from crying. Well, then the bases are loaded still, and Yasutaka Shiomi, who should have been the MVP of the series but wasn't, he triples in the runs or clears the bases, as we like to say in the opening. <laughs> and uh, there's Sugano again with this weird smile on his face. Now, I know if you, those of you who live in Japan, you know of the, the Nico Nico embarrassed in awkward moments laugh that Japanese people do. And this... To me, it, this wasn't that. I, I I don't know what it was. It was weird. It was bizarre. Why are you laughing and chuckling? And I actually oh, I, went down and talked to some of the guys in the sports department oh. yesterday about it, and they couldn't understand it either. You know what I, I see? Uh, Sugano's game, and and I've, I've mentioned this abstractly, and I've written about it quite a bit. Sugano, I think, transformed first the Giants and then the Central League with his success about 2016, Mm -hmm. uh, in which his command was so sharp in that slider, you know, he could throw everything where he wanted right on the corner. And then if he wanted to lure people out of the zone, you know, he'd go a little farther out. He could expand the zone. Sure. He He just got so good at that, that first the Giants pretty much stopped trying to throw first pitch strikes. And then the other central leagues kind of followed him. Mm-hmm. And that's really what's, for me, that's almost the biggest difference between the two leagues is that the, the Giants essentially try to get everybody to chase on strike one, never throw anything down, any, anything in anywhere near, avoid getting to the middle of the plate on strike one. Is the, is the theory. And Sugano's the, the master of that. And when I see him shake his head on close pitches, what I see is either he's laughing at the umpire for not calling a strike, which happens, or he's laughing, he's expressing amusement. It's his frustration with the umpire for not calling a strike, or it's his frustration for the batter for not swinging at it. <laughs> because he expects Too many questions. either. Yeah. Well, the point is it looks like his plan is either the umpire is going to call it a strike or the batter is going to swing at a pitch out of the zone. That's it's, it's a or B there's no C, but he gets that C and he goes there and it's like, Oh, you're kidding me. And I, I, you get that from Masahiro Tanaka a lot when, when the umpires go his way and he's looking like, dude, are you kidding me? Who made you an umpire kind of look? You know, it's like you guys don't, it's almost like he just, you know, he's got his plan and he's going like, 
what's wrong with these people? Don't they understand my plan is to get them out on these bitches? Teacher, so, this is broken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The game's broken. <laughs> it was, so it, I, yeah. I watched that over and over again, and it was that whole game. I mean, he, he was, again, basically daring everybody, you know, you know, this is my game and you guys adjust to me. And it just didn't work that way. But that's really where the Central League is right now. And then, okay, now we get to the, the sixth inning, which was an accident. Uh, yeah. The sixth inning, I, I swear that Shin, Shingo Takatsu has been practicing the dark arts because I think he took <laughs> possession of he took possession of Tatsu, Tatsunori Hara, the Giants manager, and made him do stuff that Takatsu would do, <laughs> which is walk the bases loaded, <laughs> walk the bases loaded, and then bring in the outfield. Now, it, I'll be honest, it didn't really hurt him, but they could have left that game to nothing if you know, if the ball hadn't been better located. I mean, that fly ball was going to get to the gap anyway because of where it was hit. But it was a, it was a, if the outfield had been playing back and the ball hadn't been hit so well, then that's out number three. But they'd had no, no real chance of being out number three because the Giants did it just to Katsu and brought the outfield in with two outs. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I won't debate that. I, I, I don't think it's worth it. But uh, I just never imagined Keiji Takashi outpitching Tomoyuki Sugano in a playoff game. And for me, that left a big impression on me. He, Takashi looked like he was a little bit shaky early on. And he said in the Hero interview he was really nervous. But he settled back into just pitching. And uh, well, he, well, Takashi uh, Takahashi's, Takahashi's got a really good... He's one of these guys who has uh, not an overpowering velocity fastball, but he has a lot of spin on it. Mm -hmm. And you watch him because he goes in the strike zone. I mean, he missed a lot. He for him, he missed a lot on 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 in game two. But for him to keep going back, and when he got into trouble, the most well, actually, I'll, I'll get to that later. But when he got into trouble, Nakamura came out and said, Ben, dude, just throw your fastball right down the pipe. They're not going to touch it. <laughs> and he got these big strikeouts when he needed them. Yeah, eight strikeouts for him in this game. So then comes game three. And uh, sure, Norichika Aoki, the final score ends up 2-2. The Swallows tie. Uh, they come back to, and, and get a tie with the with the Giants. And uh, or they actually came back to take the lead, and then they settled for a tie because they had the lead and gave, gave up a run late. Um, Norichika Aoki had the big hit, and Scott McGough came on and shut him down in the ninth inning to, to close to, to shut to, well, to, I want to say close it up, but he, you don't get a save or anything for holding a tie. Uh, but uh, he shut him down in the ninth inning. But I think to me it was Yuto Kanakugo who was the big mm -hmm. hero because he yep. threw these... 3.2 innings in the middle of the game after um, Judy Hara had to leave the game because he, I wouldn't even say he stuck his hand in a ground ball that came back out. I don't think he could have gotten out of the way. He had no choice, and I don't think he was trying to catch the ball with his hand or anything. It just happened to hit his pitching hand, and I hope he's okay for the Japan Series. But um, the thing that, I, you know, I 
they were announcing the pitchers fairly late in the day for the for the next game. It seemed to me I wasn't maybe I wasn't checking until late in the day, but I was expecting um, Ryan Ogawa to be pitching this game, and it was Judy Hara, and I'm like, what's going on? And uh, they I think they announced during the game that if there no, was going to be a, no. The games, the games, the pitchers, starting pitchers were announced after the games. After the game, okay. Well, I think uh, I must have heard one of the announcers say that uh, Yasuhiro Ryan Ogawa was going to pitch had they needed a game four. So he was on the schedule, but they, they being, I'm like, why is he not pitching this game? You know, <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. But I thought Kanakugo, I, I honestly had to look him up. I didn't realize he had pitched that much this season. He didn't really stand out to me. Uh, he gave up a run over those 3.2 innings, but big hero, big ups for him because he was the guy who saved this game. Oh, I really liked him this year. Uh, yeah. He he came back. He's This is actually, he's, he's a fifth-year rookie. Mm-hmm. So he's a fifth year. I think he had Tommy John surgery when he was 19 or 20, and he's coming back from that. He's still young, came out of high school, mm-hmm. and he looked really good, and then he got hurt in the middle of the season and he wasn't all that great, but he was pretty good at the start. He was like just another one of these young swallows pitchers. You thought, where did this guy come from? You know? Yeah. Fourth, fourth year rookie. He said, Oh, fourth year. Okay. Yeah. So he comes, he comes in and he was, uh, and he also got in trouble and it was also the same thing. It's like, dude, you know, just throw the ball in the middle. Don't, don't (laughs) give people free bases, you know, just, Go get ahead in the count, and if they hit it, they hit it, and you can't, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. And, uh, you know, go after them, be aggressive, take when you've got the advantage, and and that worked out. And then this game, uh, the one, first of all, uh, CC Mercedes, what a great game from him. He was the, yeah, yeah, he was the, you know, here's, here's the Pacific League pitcher in the game, him and, and, uh, he and Daiki Washita both had this dominant first pitch strike, and you could see the difference because when he was he was throwing everything, starting everything in or close to the either right on the corner or in the zone, and he got mm-hmm. some, you know, he got a couple of gold balls going against him, but he got ahead in counts, and you could see when he was going up against uh, some of the uh, bats, you know, people just. Being behind in the count with the guy who's going to throw strikes, they don't know what's coming. They start to chase. You know, he got guys to expand their strike zones, and just did. A, it was a masterful job. I loved that. And then uh, Ruby De La Rosa comes in, and I felt really bad for him because I thought the umpire really, <laughs> really screwed yeah, him. He, yeah, he, got, he got squeezed. He got squeezed, and it cost him the walk to Kawabata was probably on a strike. Yeah, he and, got squeezed more than a wedding night booty. Ooh. I mean, he was, he, was, <laughs> he was squeezed, man. And uh, But, again, you have to make those adjustments. You have to do that on the mound, yeah, too. Yeah, well, he had a bunch of – yeah, he had a, he had a lot of uh, – he'd, he'd, you know, he'd already been through three uh, – at bats when he got to that, we got to Kawabata and uh, no, that was, that was unfortunate, but it happened. And then he gets the bases loaded and they bring in 
Kota Kota Nakagawa, the lefty, to face uh, Norichi Gaoki, and one pitch does it, and bad yeah. pitch. Yeah, I, I always say about that lefty-lefty matchup, it's not always about what your pitcher does to lefties. It's also about what the batter does to lefties, and people mm. tend to cancel those things out. But I think Nakagawa, is a, he's a fastball slider guy, and I don't think his pitches match up well with Aoki. I just, I just, like, they seem that they're going to go right into his swing. I think it's more, actually, I want to disagree. I think it's more about the pitcher than the hitter because the pitcher is, uh, you know, some pitchers pitch this way and some pitchers pitch that way. I mean, there are guys who, there are a few, I would say that the platoon is, you have so many pitchers actually who have sort of a reverse platoon because of the way they pitch. Uh You have very few batters who have that career. It's probably, let's say, it might be 10% of the pitchers. It might be half percent of the batters. Oh, well, actually... I'm not talking about generally. I'm talking about this specific matchup in that. Okay. In that but, fastball slider, I, I think, you know, I hope he's going to get to those. But, but if you have a guy with those sinker okay, curve. So, okay, yeah. so we're talking about a specific matchup. It's not just the platoon then. I'm just saying that it's not always like you're, you're telling me that the it, the – Platoons basically favor the pitchers most of the time, and I'm no, 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 I'm no. Saying, what I'm saying is, um, pitchers are the determining factor in generally in how strong the platoon advantage is because they're the ones who are throwing the pitches in the zone, and you'll have lefties who don't to throw this pitch inside, or they don't, you know, they work better. You have lefties who work better against right-handers. And you have le- right-handers who work better against left-handers. There's always yeah. Going to be I don't a, think what you're saying is any big surprise because most of the guys no, are, no. But that's that's how it sounded. That's how it time, sounded. What no. that's how it sounded when you said it was. It's not the the batter also affects that, but the batter can't choose the pitcher. You know, is what I'm saying. So it's not it's not that Aoki hits better against left-handers, which he does not. No, no, that's not what I was saying. I'm it's saying a, okay. The specific matchup. So I said, I okay, said fastball okay. slider guy. Okay. Who, yeah, cannot really, I mean, he's really not the pinpoint control guy. Neither is De La Rosa, which was what I was going to say is that, you know, when he gets a umpire who's going to squeeze a little bit that he's, you should just take him off the mound. Take, yeah. get him with the liberal umpires and keep him away from the conservative umpires because he's not going to get strikes. But yeah, in this specific uh, matchup, I, I didn't like okay. uh, what, Nakagawa throws in terms of Aoki and he comes through with a with a single and knocks in a couple runs and that's all that uh, Swallows could generate on offense but that's all they needed because of the, the pitching and, and again the bullpen uh, really sharp well then we so. had the meltdown the 8th inning meltdown by Noboru Shimizu which was kind of interesting grandma at my gym <laughs> my old gym yeah but well, um, yeah yeah I'll give you that, but you know those kinds of things. I, I didn't think he got hit all that hard at all. And no, but the, the what, and, well, the walk was the one that killed him. Was you know he sort you could see his like he was losing a little bit of the you know just the hit from Zealous Wheeler, which was a a good hit. You know this was this was the mirror image of the Takahiro Okada ninth inning hit in Osaka on the same night. It was a 
ball out of the zone that he hit flicked off the end of his bat. And, you know, sometimes as I, you know, I've said it for years, you know, you get pitches that shouldn't be hit are often followed by pitches that shouldn't be thrown. Yes. And yeah. he, like he, he threw a bunch of pitches out of the zone. He, he avoided, uh, uh, Takumi Oshiro has been getting really, really at bat, really good at bats the whole series. Uh, he tried to stay away from him. He walked him. And then he gives up the, the single to uh, Taishi Hiroka. And now, you know, he's got two on and the game's tied. And the manager comes out and talks. To, it wasn't the manager. It was pitching coach. Uh, Dude, just throw strikes. You know, just put the ball in the zone and make him hit it. And and Hiroyuki Nakajima obliges. And then the uh, uh, Scott McGuff comes on in the ninth inning. And is it is it an ironic or perfect ending to the Giants' season that it ends with Sho Nakata striking out? Ironically perfect. You know, I saw a tweet. I can't remember. I think it was Deanna yep. Rubin saying what as a pinch hitter, and I'm like, well, why not? Why not? Just why not? Run. Exactly. Yeah. And you might you might accidentally hit a home run, but yeah. 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 But I thought that was sort of fitting that you know it was the double-edged sword there okay <laughs> well we got to move on we've got to put this game away and talk about the japan series so but excellent work by the swallows excellent work by the buffaloes both the pennant winners go through to the japan series and you know it looks like to me that these 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 two teams are so close in so many ways except that mm-hmm. the Yakult swallows have a really good bullpen that has proven to be really effective this season and i don't think the buffaloes can match the bullpen arms and the the production or the efficiency, but I think the the Buffaloes have shown a knack for scoring runs, and but so have the Swallows. So I, I you know, I'm looking at this series. I'm I'm thinking. Uh, I think we said before we went on mic. Man, this could be the series that goes to eight games or something that we haven't seen in a long time because they're so closely matched. But I think if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet on the Pacific League and bet on the Buffaloes to win. But uh, I was uh, born in the Central League with the Dragons long, long ago in 1990, and I'm going to be rooting for the Swallows in the Central League to pull the gutty little Swallows to pull one out. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I don't think I, I think they're they're very similar in terms of quality. I think you also have Both to teams consider overall. Yeah, yeah, the rosters in okay. general. Uh, I think the Swallow the the Buffaloes are better starting pitching. I think they're the, the That's one of the difficult. I don't, well, I, I don't, I don't think that they might do. have the numbers, but I don't think. Like, no, I think they know, do. I think yeah, they do. I, I and think, I think we saw that with the fact that they didn't start Miyagi in Game Three, and they started a guy who they didn't think was going to pitch very long, and that's why they brought Zenshi Masui off of the, off of the, uh, put him onto the roster because they, they they really figured that they're going to have to use him, and that was Game Three, and. I think the Swallows had pitching in reserve because they didn't use Ogawa. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't see it that way. But No, I do. I do. The Sw- the Buffaloes, A, play in a better league. I don't care. The internet, yeah, they do. The, the interleague records. Oh, oh the Giants. The uh, Central the interleague League. Records, yeah. No, I, no, I did. I, I did. And oh. the interleague records, the, the Central League teams won more games this year, but they still got their butts kicked and runs scored and runs allowed, which yeah. is more of a telltale of, you know, who's better. 
And those so, those were different teams when you know back in May when those when the leagues met. What, yeah, whatever, 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 whatever. We know the Oryx, the Buffaloes, you know, won interleague, and you know who cares? I don't care, particularly care. But the the things I do think the I do think the Buffaloes starting pitching is better. Uh, the Pacific League's a tougher league now. The what the difference is, the Swallows are not going to be. They're going to be better than your. T- they're they're better than your typical Central League pitching team, uh, and they pitch a, a more. Uh, as I said, they're basically a Pacific League team as far as the pitching goes. But on the uh, the other side of the bat is, the Swallows batters again are used to facing five Central League teams. They're not used to this. They're not used to pitchers like CC Mercedes who pound the strike zone all the time. They basically uh, try to, they wait for guys to pitch. Essentially, the Swallows' tactic on offense is to get ahead in the count while the pitcher's doing stupid stuff. Okay. (laughs) And then get good swings when you're ahead in the count. And that's why they, the Swallows were the team that drew the most walks and allowed them the fewest walks. That's the, that's their whole game. They're not going to get that against the Buffaloes. So that's a, that's a, a tough one for them. The, that's, that's really the other thing. The Swallows have a better offense than the Buffaloes do. I think the Buffaloes have better starting pitching. The Buffaloes offense is pretty good. Uh, again, they're used to, uh, you know that's that's about as far as I can say. I would say that what you said is correct. That the way these two climax uh, climax series final stages played out, I would expect let's you know with the the complete game shutout and the four pitcher combined shutout and the you know complete game shutout by the young right handers, the six inning score six scoreless innings from a lefty. Losing one to nothing, coming back and tying. These teams are just—they're fated to go eight games, like for the first <laughs> time in forever. You know, these yeah. these two teams. There's no way this thing ain't ending in a tie. <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I could see it going there. I hope it doesn't, though. But I could see it going there. So who who uh, who do I like? I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Pacific League because I still think they're just. Uh, you can't come they're a little they're to some degree apples and oranges you're they they just play in a much tougher to beat the t- pacific league to finish first in the pacific league is a much harder challenge than it is in the central league i got you i got you but you you know you don't play the leagues you don't play the other guys you play the no. matchups and, and the matchups no. that oh, yeah, you play yeah, the that's team that's true. in front of you yeah you, you do play the team in front you, you do don't, you're not playing against the rest of the league yeah and i think yeah. they can match up with the with the Buffaloes in terms of uh, getting enough runs, playing enough good defense, and, and well, the runs are going to be tougher. I think the runs are going to be tougher to come by but, than they are. Uh, yeah, that's in, why in I said enough teams. runs. I didn't say yeah, a bunch of yeah. runs. I said enough. But I, yeah. I, but again, but I see the, I, I'm I betting see the on buffaloes. the buffaloes. I'm rooting. I'm betting on the buffaloes. I'm rooting for the swallows. I I, I see the buffaloes winning in six. Okay. All right. I. Psh- Hope it doesn't go seven. Well, you know, it, I shouldn't say that. I hope it doesn't which would go be, which would more be than seven. <laughs> because the last time the the Buffaloes were in the Japan series, they won it at uh, they won it. 
each, oh, I shouldn't say the last time the Buffaloes, last time Oryx was in the Japan series, and they won it. The uh, Ichiro Suzuki and Oryx Blue Wave beat the Giants in five games and they clinched it at home. Yeah. Yeah. That and, was, uh... and that was Kobe Green Stadium, now Hotomoto Field Kobe, where games six and seven will be played. And like the. Right. The first series between these two franchises in 1978, the Swallows home games will be played at the Giants home park. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, uh, the series starts uh, a week from tonight. So on Saturday, yep. November 20th and the 21st, and we'll be back in a week. But before that, we'll make uh, one two-seam transition and just talk about one more retiring player because there were a number of players kind of trickled uh, out or leaked their retirements late after after the season. And one of them was, uh, well, actually it wasn't after the season because the Marines, Takashi Toritani, was actually technically the team was still playing. So it wasn't after his team season, but it was after the regular season. And he announced he was retiring. And I always thought um, that he was steady and really showed some glimpses of some really outstanding play. But I often felt like he was overpraised. Uh, he did get the 2,000 hits in his career and, has quite attractive. Uh, what a, a quite tiger, attractive. A, a career Tigers player who was hyped, never happened. <laughs> oh man, come on, stop, stop, stop! Um, but you know, he reached two thousand hits. He's really, really popular. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. going to the Hall of Fame. He had a really good career. I it was kind of uh, sad to see the way it, it ended. Although he still had a lot of respect from the Marines players, mm. uh, especially some of the young players who, you know, when we talked to Brandon Laird earlier this year, he talked about uh, Tony Tani, or maybe it was last year. All the years are starting to run together. But when we talked to Brandon, he gets was that way about, when you get our age, son. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, that, you know, it's good to see him come there and, and, and work as hard as he worked. And he was mm. uh, showing some leadership for the younger players. And so, yeah, he said um, yeah. a good thing, which was, I'm sure glad I didn't retire two years ago because I still yeah. wanted to play. Because as, yeah. as you remember, two years ago, the Tigers basically planned, apparently had already had invested in a retirement ceremony and all the promotion. And he said, like, uh-huh. <laughs> they said, no, no, you should retire now. Please retire now. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so but, he stuck you know, around. He's one of the guys I, I I've never really seen him as that kind of vocal player, but I I would imagine he would be a coach or maybe he ends up as a manager after a spell, you know, not right away that he learns the craft a little bit and then comes back as a as much as you know I think he despises the media and doesn't really like talking uh, and as a man a few words in, in that Nakajima kind of. Uh, um, Gee, I like I like Mold. talking to him, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm talking about his persona with the media in general. Okay. I mean, I, I don't I don't remember if I talked to him or not. I probably did, but um, yeah, I, I think he's really much more comfortable with his friends. Yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, than he is with the media. But wow. yeah, I would um, I would know about that. I have to have friends first to make a comparison. Well, I'm sure one day you'll go to the bank and withdraw enough money to buy a couple. So, oh, thank you. Oh, you'll be looking okay. forward to that. Cool. If you weren't so cheap, you would be able to withdraw. Oh, okay, yeah, that would be a, <laughs> that, is, that is a bottleneck there. Mom, my mom's smiling down on me. So that's my boy. 
<laughs> okay. All right. Well, your boy will be back with us next week. Uh, oh, at- yeah. Before we get to my boy will be back with me next week, I w- there was another retirement because of the same day that that what that Tori Tani first said actually towards the end of the, before the, I think when the climax series started was Tsuyoshi Wada. Right. It's not a huge surprise because it is a surprise to me because he he looked like he'd be able to pitch forever in Masanori Ishikawa, you know, stasis sort of like every now and then he comes out like this guy who looks 20 years younger and he's striking people out in the middle of the zone with a 70 mile an hour fastball. But it didn't work this year, and he kind of like I think he just added everything up, and it, it, there were probably injuries as well that mm-hmm. he wasn't divulging that was keeping him. Although he had decent velocity, he didn't have his uh, control this year, so he probably figured enough's enough. And but you know, there's usually reasons beyond it. My guess is, like most of the guys, it's not like the results are the the answer but the reason they believe they're not getting the results yeah and he didn't he wasn't able you know he wasn't a different difference maker for SoftBank either and they didn't finish in the playoffs and i think that 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 weighs on you too um it would on me you know if i did what i could and i realized that i wasn't really helping (laughs) or i wasn't a solution to get the job done then yeah that would make me think about it but yeah we'll, we'll definitely miss him he's he already went through Tommy John and again, another guy, I think I, I don't see him in the coaching ranks, but maybe he's quietly behind the scenes as a pitching coach somewhere. So Jeez, I uh, see Wada like going back and being a college coach. He's just so <laughs> cerebral, so much like uh, down to earth and uh, I, I'm really going to miss him. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. forget it. All right. I see him as a college coach. Okay, sorry. Okay. I start on what I never end. All right. Uh, you got anything coming up on Monday? Nope. All right. Well, anyone who has a question, we will get to questions probably after the Japan series. So we will get back to more questions then and we'll finish them up because we're going to go into hibernation. I can guarantee you that after after the season is done uh, and after the awards are announced of MVPs and all those other awards. So, uh, but if you have a question, hit us up at JBW podcast on Twitter with the hashtag high heat, send them via email to Y-A-K-Y-U-J-O-H-N at gmail.com, or you can go on the Facebook page and leave us a message there. We will talk to you next week after the first couple games of the Japan series. Enjoy your baseball. See you at the ballpark. Follow the hosts on Twitter at JBW Podcast and at JBallAllen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag HighHeat. Thank you for listening to Japan Baseball Weekly.